his coloring, his appointments, uh, his attractiveness, often is much more lovely than his mate. But when God made man, he decided that he would do more for man than he had done for anything else in creation. And so he reversed that order. Also in nature, oftentimes, the male stays home while the wife works. But God reversed that also. He did more for a man than he did for anything else in nature. And the capstone of creation, the most beautiful thing that God created is woman. Scripture says much about her. One of the most pointed pronouncements is found in Proverbs chapter 31 in verses 10 and following. Here the writer of this section of Proverbs says, An excellent wife who can find, for her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. In verse 18, she senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor, and she stretches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all of her household are clothed with scarlet. That's a symbol of the best that she has to offer. She makes coverings for herself, her cloth is fine linen or silk and purple. That's a symbol of elegance and of the best that she can do. Then in verses 26 and following, she opens her mouth in wisdom and the teaching of kindness or the law of kindness, one translation says, is in her tongue. She looks well to the way of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She is not idle, always industrious. Her children rise up and bless her, her husband also, and he praises her saying that she's the best. Then in verses 30 and 31, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. That means in public. The Christian wife is God's greatest gift to a man. She holds a unique position that cannot be filled in any other way. No amount of hired help, no amount of people outside the home, no education, no religious training, no advantages that money can buy, nothing can take the place that God intends to be filled by the Christian wife. If it is not filled by her, it will not be filled at all. And it is life's greatest trust to be the Christian wife in a Christian home. You know, we're living in a day when everybody wants their rights. Uh, every group, every special interest group, uh, I heard rumors that there was a save the grape movement somewhere to get us to quit eating grapes so they could all live. You know, it's about gotten that silly. And often Christianity has taken the rap. But I want to remind you that no matter who says what about organized religion in uh, general and Christianity in particular, if it were not for Christian influence, women would have no rights at all. The first place in the world that a woman got any kind of a right 
was in the nation of Israel during the wilderness wandering between Egypt and the Promised Land. A family uh, had lost the father and he had only daughters and no sons and in Jewish law inheritance passed automatically and always from father to son. And so those daughters came to Moses and they said, we are losing our inheritance. Our family will have nothing because our father had no sons. And Moses, under God's direction, in a move that was unprecedented in the history of the world, gave those women equal rights with men as far as their inheritance was concerned. And since that time, the Judeo-Christian tradition has been in the forefront and because of Christian influence, American women today hold a position superior to any women on the face of the earth, a unique position of privilege and rights and freedom. Nothing that I will say today from the text of Ephesians 5 is a put down to womanhood in general or to the Christian wife in particular. What we will do today is very briefly examine the principles of God's Word. By the way, this is free. This is commentary. It doesn't have anything to do with the message. It doesn't matter what we think about the Word. It's the truth. And you can protest, object, like all of us do it sometimes. You can say you wish it were different. You can rebel against it, but you're not going to hurt anybody but yourself, for the truth is still the truth. We're merely going to state what God says we need to realize that in any area of life, and in the home in particular, only as we meet God's demands and do things by His standards will we reach and achieve our goals for our homes. There are three key words I want you to remember. Two of them occur, all three of them rather, occur in this passage and, and they are something that you can hang on to and remember and refer back to. The first one is found in verse 22 and it is the word submit. As he says, let the wife submit unto her own husband. Now submission means to yield to authority. But that's not all that submission means. Submission means to yield yourself to the will of another. Very often it happens that a Christian woman is confronted with a situation where the man will not exercise his God-given position of authority in the home. But I would remind you that God does not say, submit yourself to authority if the authority is perfect. Give up on that, girls. It'll never happen. He does not say, submit yourself to your husband if he's considerate. He does not say, submit yourself to your husband if he's everything that he ought to be in the home. He says, submit yourself to authority, period. Submission, submitting to authority and submitting the will. Not if he's what he ought to be, but because he holds the position that God has given him. Now, if you rebel against authority, and this goes for the home, the church, society at large, if you rebel against authority and you use the fact that authority is wrong in what they're trying to do, it's still invalid. If we only submitted 
to authority that was perfect, we'd submit to nobody's authority. Not in the home, not in church, not in city government, not in law enforcement, not in state and national government, or anything, anything else. But when we rebel against authority, they may be wrong. But when you rebel against authority, you become wrong. And have we forgotten the lesson that our mothers told us when we were about that tall? Two wrongs don't make a right. Isn't that reasonable? Submission is not necessarily a word of servitude. It's not a matter of servitude. It is rather a recognition that God has established lines of authority in every area of life. And the authority structures of life are a reflection of God's authority. If anybody was ever given a right to rebel, it would have been the New Testament Christians. They lived in the Roman Empire. And their beliefs were incompatible with Roman pantheism, that every nation had many gods, and that was fine. Rome just welcomed all of them. It was against the law to say or to confirm that anybody but Caesar was Lord. And when the New Testament church confirmed in their worship, Christo Curios, Christ is Lord, it was in direct disobedience to the principle that only Caesar was the Lord. And yet in Romans chapter 13, Paul, writing to the church in the seat of government, in the city of Rome, Paul said, no government holds its authority except as a trust from God. And you must obey and submit to the laws of man or you are rebelling against God. And folks, the home is to be a more perfect example of God's authority structure than society is. God has arranged it that way. God does not authorize us to rebel against authority simply because authority is sometimes mistaken. Neither in the home, nor in the church, nor in society. What the scriptures say is that God, number one, will take care of your authority if he's wrong. My dear friend and Christian husband, you are directly accountable to God Almighty for the way you conduct yourself in your home and the way you exercise your position. You have no license to do as you please. You have a holy trust to obey God. But I would say to you, wives, that if your authority, your husband in your home is wrong, he'll answer to God, but he does not answer to you. He is accountable to God, directly to God. We are to let God be the judge. Paul says in Romans chapters 2 and 14, do not judge another, for you yourself are not perfect. In Romans 14 he says, every man stands or falls to his own master. And so it is that in the home, a man is directly accountable to God. And God promises you that if you are submissive, He will provide for you. But if you rebel against your husband, 
you not only do not have his goodwill and his protection, you also do not have the protection of God. And you are out there all by yourself. God has said that if you will submit, he will protect you. Why submit? Well, as I've just said, it is a means of protection for you. God has promised and God's promises are valid. Solomon said not one word of all his good promise has perished. God promises that if all of us, and this is merely a reflection of authority in every area of life, it's not limited to the home. If we are submissive to the authority structure as it exists, God is honor bound to take care of us and to meet all of our needs. It is a means of protection, but it is a means of gaining spiritual power. For John states in the letter of 1 John that it is impossible for a man or a woman or anybody to be right with God at the same time when he is wrong with somebody else. Now that is especially true in the home. Especially true in the home. If you are out of fellowship, rebellious, unsubmissive to your husband, you are not in fellowship with God. The scriptures say that that is impossible. And when that relationship is broken, that works both ways. The husband is not in fellowship with God either, and therefore you are creating chaos that your children must endure. It is impossible to be wrong with each other in the home and to be right with God. It is impossible. Freedom is not the privilege of doing anything that we want to do. Freedom is the power to do what we ought to do. And only as you are submissive to authority in every area of life are you free to be creative. Bill Gothard talks about God's chain of command like an umbrella. And he says, under every one of us in the home, the children are beneath the umbrella of the parents. The wife is beneath the umbrella of the husband. In business, the employee is under the umbrella of the employer. uh, And the husband in the home, the pastor in the church, are under the umbrella directly of God's protection. Now, if your umbrella has holes in it, you may get wet when it rains but not nearly as wet as you're going to get if you don't have any umbrella at all. And that's the way it is with authority. If you are submissive to authority, God will take care of you. Your authority will answer to God for letting you get wet, but they don't answer to you. For every man stands or falls to his own master. It has been said that 90% of all married people will admit to some problems in their marriage at some time. And the other 10% are liars. You know, nobody's immune. And if you were a hermit and you lived by yourself, you would discover that your humanity would cause you problems with yourself. It's not simple. It's not cut and dried. I don't believe that Paul intended to say that it was, and I do not pretend to say that it is. But what I am saying is that the only thing you and I have to tie our lives to is the Word of God. 
And if it's not valid, I want to resign from the human race today. If you believe symptoms, you'll go crazy. If you believe the devil, you won't make it. And anything negative, and I want you to check up on that, I want you to find a negative attitude coming from God Almighty anywhere in the Bible. Anything negative, anything fearful, anything accusing, anything that brings you down that is depressing, negative, fearful, critical, accusing, all of those things at all times originate in the mind of Satan. You can let the devil be an alarm clock. You can let him be your greatest spiritual motivation. We wring our hands and say, oh, we're not going to make it. That's the devil. Go to God and say, Lord, the devil says we're not going to make it, but I want to thank you that it's a lie. There never existed a time when the devil could kill anything that belonged to God. Not this church, not your home or anything else. That time has never existed. Jesus Christ hung on the cross defiantly. The devil had tried to kill him. I read in John's Gospel just the other day about the crucifixion, how it said when Jesus realized that all things were accomplished, he said it is finished and he gave up his spirit. But they didn't kill him. And you know it is interesting, folks, but if they'd tried, they couldn't have killed him. He laid down his life. And in your home, when you get to the throes of despair and you have been as submissive as you know how to be and it doesn't seem like it's going to work out, you have a right to go to God and say, God, I have come to the end of myself and I trust you. But if you take the solution into your own hands, it will be far worse than you've ever imagined. For when you come to the end of yourself in any area of life, you will hear God gently say, you're exactly where I want you to be. Man's extremity is God's opportunity. And God cannot begin to work unless we get out of the way and let Him be Lord. You know, it is a liberating feeling in a home it's a liberating feeling in the church. You hear me going back and forth between the home and the church. But in this whole passage, the Apostle Paul directly correlates Christ in the church to the home. It is a liberating feeling to realize that God has not designed everything to please me. And when in your home or in the church you feel as though you must be pleased or you're going to take your marbles and go home, it is carnal, it is sinful, it is ungodly. Dare we be unhappy when God is pleased? Do you have that much courage? I don't. I would say that I encounter things daily that I don't really like that are within the will of God and I've got a long way to go, but little by little I'm discovering that I don't have to like it. I just have to do what God says. Submit. 
And notice that he says, Submit yourself unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. You owe, because the Word of God demands it, the same kind of submission in your home that you give to Jesus Christ as Lord. Now, I'll admit that if I was a woman, I wouldn't like that even a little bit. But I will also affirm that that really doesn't matter because that's what it says. Submit yourselves as unto the Lord, as unto the Lord, wholeheartedly, openly, freely. Give yourself to the will of another. And then in verse 23, the key word is the word Savior. The word Savior. For Paul says, in effect, Christ is the head and the church is the body. In the same way, the husband is also the head of the wife. Husband, this is just a preview. Verses 25 to 33 develop the thought he gives in verse 23. But what he says, and I'll not say much about it, but what Paul says is this. You as a Christian husband are to be everything to your wife and your family that Jesus Christ is to the church. Gentlemen, that's a tall order. That is a tall order. Can you realize the implications of affirming that we are to be to our homes what Jesus is to the church? Why submit? Because Christ has ordained that the husband is to be the savior, the protector, the preserver, the redeemer of the home. It is no put down to say that Christ is the head and the church is the body. Does that bother you? It doesn't bother me. And it is no put down to say that the husband is the head of the wife in the same way that Christ is the head of the church. After all, what good is a body without a head? And what good is a head without a body? One is no good without the other. You know what that means? That means that Jesus needs the church to be his body in the world, to do his work, his way. And it means that the husband needs the wife as much as his head needs his body. That's no put down. That's just the way it is. And I would say that just as a body must have a head, think about this for a minute. A dear man, a, a preacher, friend of ours, our pastor for five years in Marshall, Texas, followed Dr. Arthur Rutledge, retiring, just retired as head of the Home Mission Board. Dr. Rutledge was our pastor, and after he went to do state work, Marion Harris became our pastor at the First Baptist Church of Marshall. Marion, who is now 58, godly, wonderful man, was with us in revival about a year ago, and we were talking one night about a sermon that he had preached. And he did not say it in the sermon, but he said it to me, and it'll stay with me from now on. He said, Charlie, anything with more than one head is a freak. Now think about that. You ever go to the fair and see the two-headed calf or God only knows what else that had two heads? It was a freak. And friends, listen very carefully. The scriptures do not lie. The home 
with more than one head is doomed. The home with no head is doomed. And friends, in the church, the church in a physical human way can have only one head. Not two, not three, not a committee of heads. It can have only one. And God says that that's so. Anything with more than one head is a freak. Christ says that the husband is to be everything to the wife that, Christ, that he is to the church. The head must have a body, but a body can have only one head and the sheep can have only one shepherd. And then in verse 24, the word is subject. Now spelled the same way as the word subject. As a noun, a subject is a citizen under authority, and that applies to the Christian home. As a verb, to subject means to bring oneself under control of another. It also means a predisposition to obedience. Now, the word submission and subjection are very closely related. In fact, in some translations, the same word is used in verses 22 and 24, but they are different. And the difference is this. Submission is an action. Subjection is an attitude. As you have raised your children, some of your parents, have you ever noticed how much easier it got after your child finally got hold of the fact that obedience is a principle and not an action? You know, when the child finally came to understand that there was a reason to obey other than somebody said so, that obedience was right, and that a parent looks out for a child's best interest in the matter of asking him or her to obey? Well, so it is in our relationship with God, in our relationships with each other, are reflections of our relationship to God. Why must I obey? Why must I live a godly life? Because God's mean and doesn't want anybody to have fun? No, because God loves me more than I love myself, and only as I obey Him will I have the kind of life that I want to have. You have only won half of a battle as long as you have to fight yourself to obey. But when you have learned the principle of obedience, a child of the parent, a Christian to God, Mutual submission. Paul goes on to say, submit yourselves to one another in love. Prefer one another in love. When you have learned the principle of obedience, then you obey from the heart and it's much easier. Oh, how much higher and better a motivation it is to respond to God in the knowledge that God loves and God cares, and God is trying to preserve us, than it is to respond out of fear or out of duty. God doesn't answer our questions. The Bible is not a book of answers. It's a book of principles. And the giant step forward that is taken from childhood to semi-maturity as a Christian is that step when a Christian finally realizes whatever God says I will do and trust God for the consequences. Subjection is an attitude. Submission is an action. The Christian wife, the capstone of creation, the most beautiful thing God has made, the highest privilege on the earth is to have one. 
The Christian wife is commanded by God by action to submit, by attitude to subject. But she is promised that as she does, God will provide her needs. God will take care of her. In Colossians 3, Paul deals with the same subject in a shorter fashion. He says in Colossians 3, 18 and 19, Wives, be subject to your husband as it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. I realize that it is not simple. I realize and know very well the heartache and the heartbreak that is involved when a woman does not have a godly husband. But I remember that God is faithful and He has promised to provide and to take care. And you may be sure that if God promises something, God will find a way to deliver it. Tonight, we deal in the three times as much material as God elaborates on the statement that the husband must be to the home what Christ is to the church. The invitation this morning is for every one of us as Christians to examine our relationship to God and to God's authority structure. A child is to be in submission to parents. A wife and husband are to prefer one another and be mutually submissive in love. Every Christian is to be submissive to God. And I would dare say that most all of the troubles and the struggles that you and I face, we would be protected against if we were submissive to authority as God demands. As we examine our hearts, what God would have you do this morning, there'll never be a better day. Do it right now. Do it quickly. May we pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for the truth of your word. And I confess an inadequacy and an inability to express it and to explain it. Forgive me, but honor the word. May it bear fruit in our lives and in our homes. Lord, I'm praying just now for every wife in this building and for every home that is represented as they watch on television. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give a new heart and a new desire to every wife to be to her husband everything that the church is to Jesus. You would give every husband a sense of responsibility that overwhelms him to be what Christ is to the church. Reveal where we are. Accept our confession, honor repentance, and begin right now the adventure of wholehearted Christian living in our homes. Thank you for what you will do, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We stand to sing, Have Thine Own Way, hymn 349. Right now as we stand, what God would have you do, do it now. Do it quickly.